Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. How's everyone doing? All right? Yeah. Thank you so much for having us today. It's such a privilege to be here and so glad the wind has kind of calmed down a little bit um, so we can hear ourselves think and focus on the Lord. Lottie, do you want to just, you were going to come and read for me. Is that a change of voice might do us all some good? I'm just finding it. <laughs> what do you want to use it from here? You oh, can. am I? Oh, yeah. Can yeah. I use it from there? Is that okay? So from Sorry. Okay. One. Thank you very much. That's great, Anne. Peter's miraculous escape from prison. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some that belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with a sword. When he saw that this pleased the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring them out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and your sandals, and Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. The angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. When they'd walked one length of the street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself. And said, now I know without a doubt that the Lord sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were anticipating. When this had dawned on him, they went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance and a servant girl named Rhoda came to the door. When she recognised Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed. She ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter's at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her, when she kept insisting that he was so. They said it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door, they saw him. They were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand to them to be quiet and described how the law brought him out of prison. Tell James and the brothers all about this, he said. And then he left for another place. Thank you, Lottie. Isn't it an incredible passage? I just, every time I look at it, I feel like there's something new that the Lord is wanting to draw out of it. I just cannot believe what was happening. The more I look at Acts, the more I just think, look, wow, 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 these incredible moments. Peter completely set free from prison and led out past all these soldiers and through this iron gate into total freedom. It's just 
Oh, Lord, we want to see that here, don't we? We want to see that now. We want to see that in 2019. People totally liberated, completely set free, and the church just on fire for the kingdom. I just, I just long for that. And I, I do believe that we're in a time of God just stirring the church and calling us to wake up and get ready for what's coming. And I actually believe it's already begun. You know, some of the stories that we've already started to share with you. And we had these crazy prophets um, over from Israel last year. It was sort of June last year to our little Baptist church in, in northwest London. And it, it kind of caused quite a stir. They're twins and they're in their 60s and they look identical and they do their hair identically. They dress identically and they find it very amusing that no one can tell them apart. Brilliant. They're like, they are like small children with this powerful prophetic message for the church. And they were so excited to be over in the UK because they believe that something is going to happen in the UK. Yeah, it was amazing. And so when we sat down, the kind of the leadership team sat down with them um, in this house and, and we were just chatting and praying and, and one of them just gets up and she says, and you know I had this vision, she says, and I'm sort of thinking, what is going to come next? And she says, I saw like this fire spreading all the way around the edge of the United Kingdom and then it went right across the whole of the UK. There was not one area of the United Kingdom that wasn't ablaze with the power of God. And she says, revival is coming. It is coming to your land, to your nation. And as she said this, I was sat there on the chair, and I, I can feel a little bit of it now telling you, but I went really weak and kind of rubbishy in my knees and just kind of suddenly thought, I actually feel like I'm dying, like genuinely, I felt so weak. And then I could feel like I felt really breathless, like I was like digging for breath and struggling really struggling to breathe and I thought is this something like demonic is this something weird about me like why am I reacting like this to something so incredible and everyone else was just going mm, this is amazing and that's fabulous and I'm just there going <gasps> like and so I just thought I've really got to get out of the room I'm actually making a bit of a scene so I stood up to kind of exit the lounge and fell face down on the floor and genuinely couldn't move. And I've never found myself in a situation like that ever before in my life. And I just was thinking, I've got to move. This is embarrassing. And my breath was like, I was, and do you know what overcame me was just this sense that in one second flat, the breath could be removed from my body. I was so aware of the awesomeness of our God and the power of the King of Kings and the fear of the Lord that just came into the room. And I just thought, my God is so powerful. He could set the whole nation ablaze like that. He could take the breath out of my body in a second. He is God Almighty, King of Kings. And I could hear, as this was going on, I could kind of hear them talking, but I felt like I was in a completely different space to the rest of the room. I was thinking, what is this? And I heard one of the, the amazing prophetic women go, is she for real? <laughs> and all of the others went, no, 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 it's okay, it's just Anne. And I thought, 
I don't do this. Like, why is this okay? I don't. And after a little while, I, I was kind of thinking to myself, I've really got to go. Like, I've got to get the kids from school. Like, this, is, this has got to stop. And so I kind of called out, can someone help me get up? I've got to go on the school run. And no one really moved or did anything. They just found it funny. Anyway, I have to tell you, I was baffled by it. I was really baffled because I just, that doesn't happen to me. And I did eventually get to school, thank goodness. I just sometimes think the Lord is more interested in the work he wants to do in you than he is in school runs, isn't it? But I was just like, okay, but I did make it, thank goodness. But actually what happened that night when we gathered as a church and what has been happening is, is a real shift um, in the hunger and the, the desire in the church to kind of unite and press in in prayer for the Lord. And as we were kind of with these prophetic women doing like just they were praying for everyone, I sat there at the back of the meeting and I just opened my Bible. And again, I'm not a big believer in Lord speak to me and I'll just flip it open and there it is. Um, but that's what happened. And I, I, I opened Daniel chapter chapter 10, I don't know how many of you have read Daniel, but in this moment in Daniel, there's this incredible like time where he just has these visions, and he receives this vision, and what it says, and you might want to look at it later, but in Daniel chapter 10, he feels like he can hardly breathe, are the words that it says. His legs go weak, and he and the Lord says to him, you know, receive my strength again. Like he is just in that place where he feels like he's dying, and God is commissioning him, and yet he feels like he's on the floor. And I felt the Lord just saying to me, Anne, you didn't have the vision but you had the response to the vision. Daniel had both. He had the vision and the response to the vision. I just responded to a vision from on high. It was the Lord. And I just felt the Lord was going, this is is coming, Anne. This is coming. And there's been a couple of other occasions just since 2016 in particular that he has been sort of saying things. And I've just been going, whoa, there it is again. Um, Just this sense of an army rising, and a few people have kind of echoed that word in my ear from other sources, and just a few things. So I've then been saying, okay, okay, if this is what is going to happen, if something is coming, how do we get ready? What do we do? What are the answers? What, What are the ways that as a church, and I so believe in the church, what are the ways that we can be equipped to be ready for what God is going to do? Because I don't know about you, I don't want to miss it. I do not want to be just watching something happen or blind to something happening that God wants us all on board with. So that's why we come into Acts chapter 12. And I just want to give you four quick things about what I felt God is kind of saying to me through this passage in particular about how he's getting the church ready. And the first thing is this, pray. Pray, it's pretty obvious, isn't it? But uh, verse 5, the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The, The church were earnestly praying for Peter when he was imprisoned. James had been put to death by the sword and Peter was then thrown in prison. This was a scary, scary time for the apostles. What the heck is going to happen next? What is going to happen to Peter? The church were earnest in prayer for Peter. And then in verse 12, where many people had gathered and were praying, 
They were praying, they were praying, they were praying. And the more you look at Acts, the more you see that prayer, prayer, prayer going on all the way through. And I've just felt like God has been saying, Anne, you have got to pray. You have got to gather the church and you have got to pray. And so we've begun like weekly, and we should have been doing it anyway, but we've begun weekly prayer meetings on top of the services and the other stuff that we're doing and the normal prayer meetings that happen before the service. We've started to press in on a weekly basis and pray. And we've discovered that in Harrow, the borough that we're in, there's about eight other churches that are also praying like that. And then we've tried, we've started to gather with them wider and pray, not as much as we'd like to, but we're starting to do it. And you know, I was out in Turkey in February last year, working with the Iranian church out there, which was just the most amazing experience in my life. It's one of the most best other than getting married and, you know, <laughs> but it was an amazing time. And working with the Iranian church, which is the fastest growing church currently on the face of the earth, they, I said to them in a meeting, okay let's pray and there was 50 of them and they just started to pray and I was just like I don't need to give any direction they all just like began to pray some of them on their faces some of them with their arms in the air and then I'm thinking now we need to go through because we're going to start the service and we need to stop praying now because we've got to get on with the thing the service so and I kind of looked around and thought they're not going to stop they just were passionate and hungry for God, though in a way that I was just left going, whoa, I don't have that. I'm watching my clock. I'm looking for when we need to be there and doing that and, and at that event and, and finishing off that properly. And you know what? They, they just carried on. And I, I just thought, okay, well, I better just let them get on with it. And about half an hour later, we joined the meeting that was happening. We didn't start it. We didn't kind of, you know, shift everything. We went into the room where the meeting was happening. They just carried on. They were just worshipping. They were reading scripture. They were just pressing in. They didn't need the leadership prayer team to come and join them. They were just doing it. And I was just like so challenged because I just thought, oh, yeah, because when the saints press in, they're not, they're not thinking about, are we, okay, where are they to do that? And have we done this before we start that? They were just pressing in, in prayer. I tried to carry some of that back um, from Turkey and into the local. And I have to tell you, it's been hard um, and disappointing at times because, you know, we're Brits and we're quite reserved um, and we, we struggle, don't we? And I include myself in that. But I've just been so struck that the early church was birthed in prayer. There they are in the upper room at the beginning of Acts and they're praying. They're praying. The early church wasn't birthed in preaching. It was birthed in prayer. And then the Holy Spirit comes. He says, my house will be a house of Prayer for the nations, not a house of preaching, not a house of prophesying, not a, it's prayer and everything comes from that and visions and dreams and what God wants to do in us and through us is born out of that space of prayer. And as we've begun to do that, I've seen things in people and, and God's been saying stuff to other people, oh, they should be doing that. And oh, look, God's been asking them to, to go and do that. 
And I was inspired by one of the girls I've, I've been able to work with, one of the Iranian women, who she says when they were praying, when the, the house church was exploding in Iran, um, all over the place, underground, she says that she was like 20 at the time, and she just had a vision of seven churches, and she felt God say, at the age of 20, you're going to plant seven churches. And I'm looking at her thinking, I'm struggling to do one. Like, how? Seven churches? Oh, but in prayer, Anne, God said, and it was backed up by other people. And after planting five of them, she was then imprisoned in solitary confinement for her faith and got really mad at God while she was in prison. But I thought I was going to plant, and I thought it was going to happen now. Finally, she was released and has planted seven churches and now oversees 15 um, churches in Turkey because she had to leave the country. And I've just been blown away because when the power of God gets hold of people in prayer, we see awesome things happen, don't we? And we see that in this passage in an amazing way. The second thing is this, wake up, wake up. I hear that murmur. People have heard this before, haven't you? You're sensing this kind of wake-up call to the church. In verse 7, an angel, an angel struck Peter on the side. Wake up! What the heck? An angel striking us on the side to wake us up. Can you imagine that? Imagine yourself in that cell, in chains, naked, and suddenly, wake up! And there's this quick, get up, put on your clothes, let's go. Wow. And I just, as I was kind of looking at that and reflecting and praying, I just felt God was saying, and this is what I'm trying to say to the church. Come on. Wake up. It's urgent. It's now. Get out of darkness. Get out of this mess. Get out of chains. Get out of where you are and walk into freedom. And walk out and tell people who I am. Leave where you are and get out. And so I've just been there going, okay, God, am I asleep then? Because if I'm asleep, you need to help me wake. Because I don't know what's making me asleep. What are the things in our lives that are making us feel drowsy? That are making us kind of not aware of, of what God is doing? And we're living here. And God is saying, no, I want you to live here. I was out jogging before Christmas. I haven't been so good since Christmas, I have to confess. Um, but before Christmas, I was out running, and there was this really, really large pigeon on the side of the road. And I could see that he was trying to make his way across the road. I noticed it's a he, because it was very large. It's not going to be a she. And a, a very large pigeon at the side of the road. And I just thought, my goodness, I've never seen a pigeon that large. What has that pigeon been consuming to get that? massive. And as I watched it, I just thought, I don't think it can actually really move. This car starts coming down the road towards it, and I'm kind of jogging that way. The pigeon's kind of in the corner of the road. And the pigeon decides this is the moment to try and cross the road into the oncoming traffic. And I'm thinking, for goodness sake, just fly. Why would you not just fly? Like, what are you doing? And it's like properly like waddling across the road. I was like, fly, fly. And it dawned on me that it genuinely was unable to make itself get off the ground, to stretch out its wings and fly. It was too large. It just couldn't do it. 
So it kind of shuffled its way back into the side of the pavement and the car passed by and I went, Phew. But I was sat thinking, whoa, God, like that, what on earth has that pigeon been doing that it cannot move like that? What have we been doing in our lives? What are we doing that is stopping us doing what we're designed to do? The pigeon is designed to fly. We are designed to soar with the king, to fly into incredible things, to demonstrate something so different to the rest of the world that they just look at us and go, what is it that you've got? Because I want it so bad. Because we're children of the living God who are not consuming and consuming stuff that is stopping us from flying. We're not doing stuff that is making us sleepy in such a way that we stop becoming infectious. Proverbs 23 and verse 19 to 21 says this, Listen, my son, and be wise, and keep your heart on the right path. Do not join those who drink too much wine or gorge themselves on meat, for gluttons and drunkards become poor, and drowsiness clothes them in rags. Drowsiness clothes them in rags. And I was thinking, it might not necessarily be about meat or wine, but what are the things that are making us drowsy? What are the things, because the things that make us drowsy clothe us in rags, which means that we stop being infectious, we stop shining with the light of Christ, we just look like everyone else. What's making you sleepy? Because I think the enemy is intent on trying to throw stuff at us that will make us look like everyone else. He's trying to fill our time with stuff He's trying to get us hooked on things that are not from the throne room of our God so that he can slow us down and keep us in darkness and stop us from walking where God would call us to walk. He comes to steal and kill and destroy. What is doing that in your life? What is doing that in the lives of the people around you? What is stopping them from living in the way Christ might call them to live. The third thing is this, break free. I can't get over this bit in the passage. Verse seven, light shone into the cell. Light flooded into the darkness in the cell. And then the second part of the verse, the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Heavy weight chains just broke off Peter's wrists. He's in darkness He's chained, he's restricted, he's naked. And then light and powerful, powerful breakthrough comes into that place. And it's not, it doesn't end there, does it? Then we see him led out by this angel past four lots of four soldiers. Like, I mean, it's just lined with soldiers. And he just walks out. And then the iron gate opens by itself and he just goes into the city. And you just imagine it in your mind and you just think, what did that look like? Because in Peter's mind, there's no way he's getting out. There's no way he's getting out of there. How on earth would he possibly get past all that stuff, all those people, all those hurdles? 
And yet God, and yet God can break through. He can do it. He can come into the darkest, most painful, most ugliest situations and liberate his children. Do we believe it? A few years ago, we were at... um, New Wine, and we used to run New Wine Youth, and Gavin and I loved doing it. We did it for 10 years, and as he said earlier, youth work can be where it's at. It was just phenomenal. And I remember this this girl coming to see me, and she was really, really struggling with anorexia, and and her weight had dropped significantly. And she said, you know, Anne, I'm I'm really poorly, and and will you pray with me? And I was just like, oh, I'd be honoured. I'd be honoured to pray with you. And and I said, can I get one of my friends? So the two of us sat down with her one afternoon and we just began to pray. And as we began to pray, she began to weep and she began to repent and just say, Lord, I don't want to live like this anymore. I don't want to treat my body like this anymore. I, I don't want to upset you like I'm upsetting you. I just, I've, I want out of this situation. And as we began and as she began to repent, I, I kind of was looking at her and all I could see were like these heavy chains, like all the way down inside of her. And as she began to repent, and as we invited the Holy Spirit to come and bring freedom into her life, each one of them were like breaking. And bit by bit, it was like they were just coming out of her, like they were just disappearing into the air. And I, and I could feel, I was so aware that like there was still just some like right down in her guts. And we just, so we just pressed on in prayer and just like, Lord, show her your love. Lord, reveal to her your light. Show her, God, how you want to bring her out of this dark place. And she was just going, God, do it. God, do it. And after about two hours, we saw her completely set free, completely liberated from darkness. It was absolutely incredible. You know you have those moments in your life, don't you, where you look back and you go, whoa, what happened then? And a year on, we were, we were in the team lounge and we were just getting on with our eating and this girl comes running up to me and she's holding this big bowl of apple crumble and custard and she's like, Anne, it's me, it's me. And I just looked at her and was like, hi, <laughs> who are you? Because we do meet quite a lot of young people. And she just said, oh, she said, I'm the girl you prayed with last year. And she said, you know, I, I was so ill with anorexia. But look at me now. Look what I'm eating, she says. And she was glowing from ear to ear. And I said, that's so incredible. She says, I've been completely free for the whole year since you prayed. She says, I haven't had a problem with food at all. God shone his light into my life. And I was just like, praise you, Jesus. And I said, so what are you doing now? How come you're in the team tent? And she says, well, I'm here to work with the young people because I want them to know that God can set them free too. And they don't have to keep walking in darkness, that he wants to bring them into light. Isn't that amazing? Don't we need more stories of breakthrough like that? And just, I remember just that eagerness and that expectation in her life. God can. God can do that. He can. And there was a sense of like, she had to let go of almost wanting to hold on to where she was at and say, no, no, let go. Let God let go completely. You know, lift that foot off the floor so you can swim, so you can fly. Because there's bits of us that want to hold on on this. Actually, there's bits of sin that we don't want to let go of. There's some stuff in our life we're like, actually, we're quite comfortable there, thank you very much. I don't know if I trust God enough to let go. 
And he's going, no, my children, there's so much more. There's so much more that I want to show you. Look what I did with Peter. There's so much more that I want to lead you into. And I just wonder whether for some of us, we're, we're kind of looking at the road ahead and we just see impossibility. You know, we're just seeing the soldiers and we're just seeing the chains and we just see the darkness. And God's just wanting today to say, no, guys, I can get past all of that. And interestingly, with the angel, he sends the angel to Peter at his worst moment in that dark place. And, and the angel goes with him all the way out, past that iron gate, and then leaves when we're in our hardest, hardest, hardest times, it's like the footprints poem, isn't it? He's right there. He's right there with us. He's holding us through those biggest challenges that we face. Pray, wake up, break free, and finally, believe for more, believe for more. So in um, verse nine, I love this bit in the passage, Peter had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. He's right in the midst of this story and he doesn't believe it's happening. It's like, whoa. And then we get to verse 14 and 15 with Rhoda, brilliant Rhoda going, Peter's at the door. She's so excited. Peter's there. And their response is, you're out of your mind. You're out of your mind, they told her. It must be his angel. It can't possibly be Peter. So when we put that in context, there's the believers pressing in in prayer. They're wanting and longing that Peter's set free. And then he is, and they don't believe it. Ring any bells? In our prayer lives, (laughs) how many things are we praying for and not really believing that God can do? How many things are we kind of uttering, but, but there's not really that faith and that expectation that God is God of the breakthrough and he can break through in those people's lives that you long for him to break through and he can set them free. He can bring them to himself. He longs to, he longs to. But I'm so encouraged because that's right in the thick of the spirit moving in awesome power and there they are not believing that God can do it. We're so human, aren't we? We're so human. And, and I'm encouraged by that. It's like, okay, even they were struggling. Their prayers were answered in the most phenomenal way. You know, a, a guy um, the, big, the middle of last year got into his car up in Stanmore, because I work in Stanmore, and he, he got into his car on a Sunday morning. He's an Iranian guy, and he runs a Turkish restaurant in Stanmore. And on a Sunday morning, he thought to himself, I need to go looking for more. He got in his car, and he drove past the church at the top of our road, which is a, is a great Church of England church, and he drove down the road that the, our Baptist church is on. He parked the car, and he felt in his guts that he should, no Christian background at all, walk into our church that morning. As he walks in the back of our church, he hears me say that I've been working with Iranians and seeing the power of God move awesomely in their lives. He hears about his people receiving the gospel. And, you know, two weeks before that, 
um, Claire, who I also work with, had ordered 20 Bibles in Farsi, and she'd had them delivered to the church, and I looked at her going, are you expecting Iranians? And she said, yes, and they're coming, and I was like, that's great, brilliant. I really thought she was nuts, honestly. That morning, as that guy comes out, we, t- we have a conversation. We put a Bible in his language into his hands, and he surrenders his life to the Lord. It was awesome. And it was one of those moments where you just step back, and I still step back from it now and go, whoa, God. Whoa, my God is so powerful that he can reach somebody who has no knowledge of the gospel, no background. And and it's not like he took them, he took them right to us, right to us because he knew what I'd be saying. And he has these appointments for people, key moments of appointments because he cares about every single one of us and where we need to be and what we need to be saying and doing. And we just baptized him a couple of months ago. It was the most incredible thing to see this guy get baptized. Little does he I realize what the Lord's got in store for him. I think it's going to be so encouraging to see. Believe for more. Believe for more. God wants to do it. They were seeing it in the early church. And I think it's just a question of the saints going, we are going to press in and we are going to pray and we're going to listen to the Lord and we are going to step where he calls us to step. And we are going to ask the spirit of the Lord to keep setting us free from the staff that would hold us back so that we can see greater things in our generations. Don't we long for that? Shall we pray together? Mm, Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yes, thank you, band, if you can join me. That's amazing. Mm. Yeah, if you're comfortable to stand with me, we're just going to... The Holy Spirit's moving very powerfully, but I just want to just see what else he wants to say to us as children this morning. Please stay seated if you're more comfortable. That's fine. Spirit of the living God, we thank you that you're at work in our land. We thank you that you're doing mighty things across your church this morning. We think of the thousands who are gathered as we are to seek your face. And we just declare, Lord, that we want to see your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Lord, we read that story of Peter and our hearts cry out, Lord, that we would see more in our lifetime, that you would open the floodgates of heaven, that you would increase the power of your spirit upon our lives and in our lives and through our lives, God, that you would bring breakthrough, Jesus. For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk. Thank you for listening.